With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Winging It in Motown Radio, everybody. I'm your host, Jeff Hancock. Today we've got Peter J.J. Prashant. Gentlemen, how are you? Wonderful. Just peachy. I'm a little sad. A little sad? Just a little? Yeah. I uh, A while ago, I made my guitar gently weep. And ever since then, our relationship has slowly grown apart. Uh, it's got to be the, the guitar rift. <laughs> Woo! Welcome to Wing Motown Radio. Oh, boy. Um, I, don't, I don't know what to say. Uh, last time we talked was right after the expansion draft. Since then, the Red Wings had an, a, a great entry draft. Uh, I use the word great loosely. Uh, they had a very large draft in numbers and in size. Uh, Michael Rasmussen was their top pick. Free agency opened. They signed Trevor Daly to a three-year deal. Uh, Xavier Roulette has been re-signed. Tatar filed for arbitration. And him and Andreas Athanasiu are still unsigned. So, JJ, I'll just start with you. Where's your head at with everything that's happened since we last spoke? Um, I'm not terribly happy with the draft, but I'm not necessarily... Like, I'm not as down on the draft as I feel a lot of the fans are. Uh, in regards to the drafting for size, because it does feel like they also did draft for skill. I mean, it's not like I didn't want them to take Rasmussen, but I don't think that he's like, I don't think that he's garbage. Like, I don't think they drafted Dylan McElrath with that pick. Um, In free agency, I like the daily signing because it gives them a, good veteran defenseman who, who fills out the kind of need, like they want, they need better defensemen. And, it's not it i i wasn't happy that it was three years um and i understand that why it got the no trade clause uh, but i think that the way that they uh, structured that contract to where it's way more movable and or buyoutable later on if some of these defensive prospect kids actually like catch on and and start coming on like that'll that'll work really well. Plus, uh, I don't expect that we're going to have Green around too much longer, so he kind of like builds in that transition. Um, I'm real curious about like what the, the team is is going for directional. Like I know they're not rebuilding, and I know they're trying to reload. Um, Greg Krupa Krupa wrote an article this week about that, about how they kind of took the middle path between rebuilding and reloading, and it's. There's a lot of a lot of questions about it. Like I, I get why they did it. Like I'm not totally. I like I. Th- I think the team has, has got a decent chance of, of showing a, a much better record next year. That doesn't necessarily hurt their long term prospects too much with what they they're doing. I can see where it could all fall apart, but um, I don't really want to spend next season rooting for losses anyway. So let's let's go Red Wings, I guess. Prashanth, where's your head at? Uh, it's. 
it's kind of interesting. JJ brought up a lot of good points. You know, Rasmussen, while he wasn't what I wanted, and I do think the Wings had a lot of opportunities there to either, if they didn't want to make the pick, you know, there was rumors that they had a, a deal lined up that you could potentially could have added more assets. But I think at this point in time, that's all really in hindsight. There's a lot of other moves they could have made. Rasmussen's not a horrible player. Um, using a couple of the prospect models, uh, Rasmussen still project has a high certainty of being an NHL player. He just may not have the same ceiling that uh, Gabe Velarde may have had. So, you know, you still got a decent NHL player at the ninth overall pick. It just may not have been the best possible player. And then, you know, in terms of adding daily, I think JJ brings up the good point that green is, should be a prime candidate to be moved at the, the trade deadline. There's also really no guarantee of how long Nick Cronwall or Jonathan Erickson stay healthy. Both have long-term chronic injuries. You have to expect that one of them kind of breaks this year. Um, and in that case, you're looking at, a really, really young decor, unless you have a guy like Daly. So again, I didn't like the third year. I don't think it necessarily holds anybody up because Hicketts will be a restricted free agent in two years, and then Ronick and Sayarvi um, the year after that. So I don't think any of it's really blocked by the Daly deal. I just don't know if you'll get to see those guys as early as I would have liked. Um, but yeah, like JJ said, I don't think it truly slows down the Wings rebuild. I do think they have the potential to be better if you get some bounce back seasons um, from people. But um, it, it's kind of tough. They didn't really commit one way or another exactly like Krupa had penned in his article. And last but not least, Peter. Hey. And yeah. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> obviously, like when you're the third person to go, it's like, okay, you're not going to say that. I'm not going to say that. But. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, like, a, a lot of what uh, Prashant and uh, JJ already said, I, I agree with. Um, my my thoughts on, on the Rasmussen pick, it's like, I remember, like, last year, last year, the, the draft was, I think, the first, like, kind of big thing I did. Um, like, I came on board, like, not too long before that, um, and I ended up, you know, just covering the draft and, you know, trying to create, you know, bang out articles, you know, in five minutes, like, you know, you and Kyle did this year. Um, because, you know, especially the second day, it goes so fast. And I kind of remember the same, the same thing, like we're, you know, we're all talking on the slack, you know, we're we're like getting ready and it's like, okay, like, you know, they're going to take this guy or this guy or this guy. And it's like, wait, what? Um, I think this year, like, like the reason I, I was disappointed in the pick, although I will say, you know, what, what the other two already said is like, it's not like, you know, it's not like you know they took somebody that was supposed to go in the third round or something like that. Um, it's not like they went like way off the board. Um, I think it was disappointing because you had guys like Velarde drop, um, and now you could look back in a few years and it could be he dropped for a reason. You know, I mean, like we weren't you know there we weren't the only team that passed on him. You know, he went I think twelve, and people are thinking he could go as high as like fifth or or something like that. That's when they started to say he was dropping. Um, but I mean, like there just seemed to be like these, these players, like these centers that were, you know, exciting, uh, type players, um, that kind of seemed like, you know, like, like the kind of guys you want to get, um, at, you know, like, especially when they're, you're that high, like, um, what Prashanth was saying before about, you know, Rasmussen has, uh, you know, he, he's, he's like a high floor, but he also has, um, you know, in the in the eyes of a lot of people, like a lower ceiling than some of these guys. And I think it would have been, I would have liked to see them go for, 
you know, somebody who's going to have a higher ceiling and that potential to be that, that, you know, really top center that we need. Um, so, so for the draft, I was kind of, I don't know, it kind of felt like we were trying to be the smartest people in the room again. Uh, I kind of got that feeling last year. Um, I think some of the, I, I know, uh, the, was it the fourth round? Um, it's, it sounds like the goalie that we picked, that, like that was a really good pick. Um, it seemed like a lot of the picks we were taking, you know, like maybe not that they were bad players, but like we might have been able to find a way to get them in the next round or something like that. Um, so, you know, that was that was my little bit. Of, uh, that was my disappointment in the draft day um, for free agency. Um, it was kind of tough because I like I like Daly a lot as a player. There's a really good article if people haven't. Um, seen it yet uh by the time this goes up it'll be a day old um craig Custance wrote about it in the athletic um about daily and basically the reason why he was the the first player that crosby gave the cup to last year um and i, I already knew the story but it's it's a you know great write-up of that of that story you know he's he's a good guy he's uh he's a good team guy um and you know i think he had a, he had a tough season last year defensively um, but I, for the article I wrote, I reached out to Jesse Marshall, who writes for the Pen, uh, Pens blog, and I asked him about, you know, how come his, you know, his stats, especially his possession stats, were so low last year, like they were pretty bad. Um, and he he gave me some some quotes that I thought were promising, you know, in that um, he said that he didn't really feel that the the pairing with Olimata worked very well. Um, the, I looked it up the year before he had pretty bad possession stats with Mata as well. Um, or not bad, but like not as good as when he was playing with Dumoulin. Um, actually, yeah, his stats with, with Mata were worse. Uh, when he played with Dumoulin, they were pretty good. Uh, like not this past season, but the season before. Um, but he said that like one of the things that he's going to bring to our team is an ability to keep the puck in the zone, which we obviously had a real big problem with. Um, he's able to jump up in the play and really help the forwards, you know, keep the puck in the zone and, and, you know, keep the cycle going. Um, the downside is that he takes those risks and he, he needs somebody who can come back and defend for him. Um, so that's where I think we might be in a little bit of trouble. Like I, you know, to Kaiser, uh, I don't know, maybe he, he bounces back and he can have that year. Um, you know, I think that could be an issue. And the last thing I wanted to say is that, um, coming out of free agency, you know, there were some quotes and it's, it's too early to, to get upset about this or like to take too much stock into it. But I mean, there were quotes from Jeff Blaschel, basically, actually it wasn't a quote from Blaschel, but it was an article written after talking to him that basically implied that they, they're not looking to play him on the power play, which I think is absolutely baffling. Um, so I really hope that's not the case, but I think if they utilize him well, I think he could be a really good asset to the team. I can see you guys are really excited about Luke Witkowski as well. No, <laughs> not a single mention of our new fourth liner. Well, we need to protect Who? Mantha's hands, and you know, taking away the guy that broke it last year is, uh, you know, unless they, you know, fight in training camp, I guess. Didn't it's a, well, Steve's not Steve Ott. Didn't he do that? Who? Did, no, he need. Tyler Bertuzzi last year, yeah. unintentional. Yeah, Tyler Bertuzzi fought Nick Jensen at development camp. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Huh. They're teammates now, kind of. Um, all right, I want to go back to our restricted free agents, um, and I guess I'll go to Prashant on this one. Sitar, you, you had brought up the whole Mike Hoffman deal as a potential example, and the other day we saw 
um, was it Zach Hyman of the Leafs get four years, 2.25 AV. Are those kind of comparable hits is what we're expecting to see from these guys. And I know the wings are what we got about cap friendly says they're at like two, 3.2 in, in space, but that's not counting Franz. And so they probably got about what six and a half million in cap space left. So just where do you see everything kind of getting figured out here in the next yeah. few weeks? Um, so obviously Tatar's filed for arbitration, which is expected. Um, I'm hoping that he's able to come away with, a deal and there's it's, for him, it's going to be kind of tough for the wings to overpay him based on the numbers that have been floated out there. Um, if his ask truly is around 5 million, then I think that's more than appropriate. You can slap five years of term on that. Um, give him a deal, uh, you know, similar to actually what Alexander Radulov just got. Um, except that you have Tatar being a couple years younger and probably a, a better player when you consider shot impacts. Radulov's obviously a little bit more productive from a point total perspective. But, I mean, Tatar has led the team in goals the last handful of years. He scored three consecutive 20-goal years. Best um, shot impact guy that they've got. No reason you shouldn't just pay him. I'm more than happy to give him $5 million over five years. Um, Athanasiu is a little bit tougher without having arbitration rights. Um, they're probably, you know, him and his agent are probably trying to pull as many comparables as they can. I think Zach Hyman's agent probably did a really good job. And Zach Hyman looks a lot better on paper than he really is because he spent the entire last season tagged with Austin Matthews. So all of your numbers are going to look better when you play next to Austin Matthews, um, which is why it's kind of hard to separate out Hyman's true talent. Most of the Leafs fans will tell you he's probably a bottom six player, third, fourth liner. Which again, it's it's probably fine to give him that 2.25 million over four years because he is on the younger end. But I just don't see this guy really picking up his scoring. I don't see him um, being really much more than a bottom six player. So I think that would be nice if the Wings ended up with a contract like that for Athanasiu. I don't think you'll get him to commit to four years, obviously. Um, but if you got a 2.25 times two years or um, you know, somewhere in that ballpark. I think that's a reasonable deal. It does mean the Wings will still probably have to make a a cap move at some point. JJ can correct me on that. Um, but I think they'll probably have to shave at least a little bit um, unless somebody else hits long-term injured reserve that we're not expecting. Yeah, they're probably going to come in after uh, Tatar and Athanasio are signed uh, about a million dollars over the cap. So, and that's only with uh, with 22 players on our roster too, um, so uh, you've got the off season surgeries of uh, Tatar had off season surgery, as well as Glenn Denning and Sproul. Uh, out of those three, nobody in the organization makes less than Sproul for AAV, except for Jared Corot and uh, Tom McCollum. So. You're not going to clear up space for a 23rd skater by putting Sproul on long-term injured reserve, but Glenn Denning not being ready for the first few weeks, however the hell long it takes for uh, Nick Cronwell's knee to uh, to start giving him problems, is a little bit more likely in terms of getting um, enough cap space to clear up to 22, plus enough cap, enough cap space uh, to give him up to a 23rd skater as well. So... 
it's it's doable. That's probably the most likely thing. Although, it, depending on what Tataran Athanasi you come in for, uh, it's not entirely out of range that what they may end up doing is uh, putting a goalie on waivers. And if he clears, then there's four million dollars because we all know which goalie I'm talking about. Um, and if he doesn't clear, then you save three hundred thousand in cap space, and the difference between the nine fifty you can in relief you get and the the six twelve that you pull up in in Caro. So um, those are all cap options there. Mm. Peter, you got any thoughts? Yeah. Um, I mean, they pretty much covered it. I think the the, the one thing that we've been talking about um, that I think is really important to keep in mind with with Athens CU is. Um, you know, his, his camp is going to want him to, you know, they're going to try to, you know, th- to sign a one-year deal, um, so that they can, you know, renegotiate next year, hopefully for him after having put up, you know, good numbers this year. Um, but if, you know, from the Red Wings perspective, that would not be good because then they would have him again and then Larkin and Ma- uh, Mantha are coming up next year too. And, you know, don't forget, uh, Riley Sheehan is going to you know, be owed a really big contract too. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously Larkin and Mantha are going to be, um, you know, coming up as restricted free agents next year. So we probably don't want to have to also have to re-sign Athens CU again next year. So I think the wings are hoping for at least, you know, my guess would be they, they both settle on two years. Uh, that's, that's what I'm thinking, but um, we'll have to see. I'd be shocked if it were not two years. I'm, mm-hmm. I'd be gobsmacked if it were one year for Athens CU. I can't imagine yeah. the Red Wings doing that. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Um, out of all the the candidates from maybe a, a sit out, which is literally the only leveraging move a an arbitration less RFA can do, uh, I would guess that Athens CU might be more likely than other people to do it. But I don't see him doing it. Um, so, yeah, I'm thinking it will get something pretty close to the Riley Shan deal. Two years, uh, a little, little, bit, little bit over $2 million makes a lot of sense for both sides. It gets him arbitration rights. It gets him a couple of years uh, to really uh, go out and, and prove it to, to grow into that that role. Um, Tatar is, is a really interesting case for me in, in case like he's he's 26 and he filed for arbitration. Now, usually when a player files for arbitration, the team gets a choice of uh, a one or two year deal if it actually goes through to arbitration, but since he's only one year shy of becoming a UFA, they will not have the option of choosing a two year deal for him. So uh, Tatar has a lot more leverage than almost than than a lot of RFAs do um, because of this. Like he could literally not sign a contract and force this to go to arbitration. Uh, in which the Red Wings would technically have walkway rights, but why the hell would they want to do that? Um, he could, I mean, he wouldn't be, he's not able to get a, a no trade clause until 20, until next year anyway. So no matter what he signs now, it wouldn't have one. But if he really wanted to be out of Detroit, then force it to go to arbitration, get that one year deal. And then that's, the, that's basically the quickest ticket because there's no way the Red Wings um, wouldn't deeply consider trading him at the deadline in that case but i think that uh i think that four years at at five and a half is is decently reasonable i'd I'd give him an extra year to bump it down to five in a heartbeat uh i think he's worth it um if it turns out that 
that they actually pull the trigger on the we need to do a full teardown rebuild if you give them five at five that's still a movable contract so um i think that the both deals are going to make sense the both deals are going to get done but i'm really curious to see how it plays out because there's a lot of different ways that, that it can go yeah all right so i'm just going to throw this question out there anyone can jump in and answer after everything we've seen with the draft, the expansion draft, the signings, you know, where this team is headed going into next season. I mean, you, you figure the roster is basically set. Somehow they'll get another guy up, whether it's Bertuzzi, Ben Street, or Svechnikov to be the last guy on the roster, maybe Ferk. How, how do you feel about the future of the Wings? Are you more eager about this season? Do you feel worse going into the season? Um, do you still believe they need to completely tear it down or is there some optimism? Hmm. Not everybody answer at once. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think the, the, the reason to be uh, like the reason to be optimistic about this year coming up is because I like, you know, I think, We've talked about this too. I, like, I don't think the like the team was at, you know the team wasn't as bad as they were last year. I mean, like like they shouldn't have been as bad as they were last year. Um, so I, I don't think it's it's too unlikely that they improve. You know, I think they could be kind of the bubble team that we thought that they would be last year. Um, but that's I mean that's just the short term. Like from the long term perspective. Um, it, it, it's kind of again like the, it seems like they're they're kicking the can down the road in terms of having to to really address the the, the underlying issues, almost kind of like hoping that it works itself out somehow. Not a um, strategy. Exactly. Yeah. And so I mean, from from that perspective, I'm pessimistic. You know, I, I don't feel any better than I did last year about the long run. It doesn't doesn't really feel like they have a like a like a good strategy for the future or that they're even, I mean, like, like they kind of started to seemingly maybe accept what some of the problems were, but then it kind of seems like they went back on that. So I'm, I think this year is going to be better than last year. Um, but I, I, I don't see, I don't see the signs to have that, that real optimism for the future that I, I wish I could. Yeah. I mean, for me, they, they didn't move the needle. If you're asking me about their short-term plan, short-term being next next season, maybe the year after, is this team better than the team we saw last year? I think, yeah, I think the daily edition does that. Um, I think another year of Mantha, Larkin, Athanasiu developing makes this team better. Um, so their short-term plan, I think they look a little bit better, and I think that's the, pra- that's the plan that's been at the forefront of Ken Holland's mind. But their long-term plan, they didn't change anything for me. Uh, you know, heading into this offseason, you needed to restock at center big time. They added Rasmussen, who, you know, like we talked about, is a good, probably not great prospect, but good. Um, so he addresses it somewhat, but doesn't really. And again, you weren't going to correct this in all, all in one draft, so I, I don't mean to intend that, but. He didn't really move the needle a whole lot as a guy like maybe Gabe Velarde would have done that for me. Granted, he didn't play as much center as um, Rasmussen did. Um, you look at their defensemen, they needed to get younger. You added Trevor Daly to a three-year contract. Now you've got one of the oldest defense groups in the league, and you have four guys over the age of 30 
three of whom have a no move or no trade clause. Um, so you're not getting anywhere with your defense to allow guys like Jordan Sambrook, Philip Ronick, Billy CRV, Dennis Cholowski, Joe Higgins. You're not creating space for those guys to come in because you're not moving three or four of those guys for the next couple of years. So you're not going to get to see that. And then in goaltending, uh, goaltending, I love the addition of Keith Petrozelli. He was, you know, arguably the number one, but fell the kind of number two goalie prospect for this draft. But you still have a log jam, both short term and long term with what do you do with Mrazek? You've still got Howard for a couple more years and Jared Coro is not really anything. So it's really how quickly can Petrozelli advance and how long can Howard hold down the fort? And you're basically throwing all your eggs in the Petrozelli basket with the way that Mrazek has been um, kind of revealed by the organization as to where he really lies in their plans. So I think everything is still in kind of a little bit of a disarray for me. I don't think they put the pieces together. I don't think they did enough to to help solidify their long-term plan. I think they're going to be better short-term. I don't think it hurts the long-term plan, but I just don't think they move the needle. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Like, it's they could do they could commit to a, a long term like a, a, a real actual teardown and basically that's putting all the eggs in the long term basket um, and for as much as we like to harp on uh, on Ken Holland and the kind of shit he says about rebuilds uh, it is really possible to find yourself in an eight year rebuild with no real direction. Um, I mean, we know we've seen the the blueprint for the rebuild right now is is going to be um, the Toronto Maple Leafs until proven otherwise. Um, and in terms of in terms of all that, you could say they got they got lucky the plan worked as quickly because the 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 Oilers had the plan and it just like they just kept spinning their wheels and screwing up and and doing that a lot of stuff like that. So I'm. I, I don't necessarily disagree with anybody who says that uh, they should fully tear it down and really commit to the long term and and let's go for for lean years. Um, I'm not I'm not on board with it. It's it's like I, I see the logic in it, but in terms of the the short term plan, I think that it's I think it's almost win win at this point because I think that they are a slightly better team than they were last year. I think. Last year's team was better than they finished. Not a whole lot better, but they, I mean, they were a bubble team that that fell towards the basement. So now they're a bubble team that you know it's it's not entirely crazy to think that this team is actually capable of winning one round of the playoffs. Now, how good that does the good that does for you? That's a consideration of the thing that holds me off against wanting that long term rebuild is I believe in. Dylan Larkin and Anthony Mantha and in and Andreas Athanasiou. And I want them to be the the beginnings of a of a solid core. I'm not as confident that they're going to be that as like Austin Matthews in in Toronto or the the build around Connor McDavid in Edmonton. Um, but if we do the full long-term rebuild, then basically what we're doing with those three is we're making them essentially the the Nazem Kadri of of our team, where they're they're important guys, but they're not they're not the core. And I don't want to like I don't want to kick that can down the road yet. <clears throat> Plus, if in the short term the team does just as bad or worse, 
uh, last season kind of prepared me for that. So, like, seeing them lose a ton of games won't kill me. <laughs> but I, I just I don't want to see that yet. So, if I were running the team, I, I might have done things differently in, in a lot of different ways. Um, but I'm gonna find I'm gonna find ways to to enjoy this season. And those three guys that I mentioned earlier, plus the hopes of the the next term of prospects. Because uh, to be honest, uh, Ouellette, Jensen, Sproul, um, uh, Russo, Renouf, they're like kind of the older prospects. I'm I'm basically done with in terms of how much I I think that we're gonna get out of those guys. So let our young forward guys kind of like step up, and then transition that to you know the the Chalowski, the Hicketts, the Ronick, the Sariarvi, this the Sambrook. Um, let those guys step in and uh hope isn't a strategy but hope's what i got in terms of of wanting that to like really uh turn into the core of the next red wings uh as a contender and i think that it's possible that it happens uh within the next three or four years without us having to go through a really painful tank process and JJ, you, you brought up a good point with bringing up toronto and edmonton and i think i have to throw out the cynical aspect of how someone's going to look at this five years from now but let's say detroit pursued a toronto edmonton type rebuild this offseason they sold heavy they moved a goaltender they moved mike green they sold whatever they were able to sell they do very very poorly and then they land andre svechnikov or rasmus Dahlin next year are those guys on the same caliber as a matthews and then all of a sudden have you turned your franchise around in two years and I know that's going to be a cynical thing that comes up, especially if Dolan and Svechnikov are that good. If you miss out on one of those guys and you really could have turned it around by having a sell-heavy offseason, adding one of those guys to, and let's say you picked Gabe Velarde this year, and now you've got Velarde, Athanasiu, Larkin, Svechnikov, Svechnikov, and all of this, and then you potentially turn it around that way. That's the only thing that sits in the back of my mind is should the Wings have full-on committed to that sell, but again, you are putting all your eggs in one of those two guys being as good as Austin, Austin Matthews and being the guy that turns it around. Yeah, and I think if there were an Austin Matthews or a Connor McDavid in this draft uh, that had as much, had had that level of hype, um, I would be way more for the let's tear it down and let's, let's severely tank. Um, I, I guess it, time will tell on all this, but uh, that that general, I don't want to say lack of hype, because I think that Andre Svechnikov and, and Rasmus Dahlin are going to be really good players. But yeah, I don't think they're going to be on the on the levels uh, of Matthews or, or McDavid. Well, speaking of McDavid, let's kind of transition here and look a little bit around the league. Uh, McDavid is a very, very, very rich man. Um, signed a was an eight year, one hundred million dollar contract extension. Uh, 86 of that's in the form of signing bonuses. So from my understanding, and please correct me if I'm wrong, every July 1st, he gets a fat check of cash. Uh, <laughs> and then he gets very small payments during the season. Basically an entire contract that's lockout proof. Um, I guess I'll start with you, JJ, because I know you were very... Uh, bothered at the mm. fact he didn't take as much money as he possibly could have. Yeah, I think that the it annoys me fundamentally that there is a CBA dictated 
maximum contract that somebody can sign, and the guy who is far and away the uh, may not far and away who is the best player in the NHL, the most valuable player in the NHL, um, like can't and won't command that for all sorts of reasons. Like uh, the you know then the the Oilers wouldn't be able to build a, a contender around him, and that's not. It's not necessarily a, a, a disagreeable thing. I think that it, it's possible to build a contender around one guy making 20% of the the cap in the year that he signs the contract because that doesn't even in, that doesn't kick in yet. Um, you just have to be smarter as the GM, and I just like the fact that he essentially has to pay a premium to the Oilers that said the the please don't fuck up my career premium um, just kind of annoys me at a fundamental level and the, the fact that he went like even farther below the max to like to give up that extra 750000 because everybody thought that the, the, the deal was going to be $13.25 million over those eight years it's just like uh, you know Get bent because even then, like, there's going to be people. Oh, he's he's overpaid. He's, he's he can't do this. And then, like, yeah, yeah these are the same people who who love Chris Russell and Milan Lucic for who are both going to be wildly overpaid. So it it annoys me because it like fits perfectly into the the fan opinion structure and the the culture of hockey in terms of like oh the the noble sacrifice that Connor McDavid is making by not taking. $15 million a year, so I don't know. He can get bent with his perfectly nice young man persona. I don't have a better argument than that. Fuck him. That's it. He's not a Red Wing. Anyone else have any thoughts on Conor McDavid's contract? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I originally kind of started off on the the idea of you know, at some point, how much is, is enough money to have, you know, just kind of from a, a logical standpoint. Um, but I don't know. I mean, like the, the more the more I kind of thought about it and, and just, you know, read what other people are saying, you know, I I mean, if, 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 if anybody's worth the max, then he is. Um, and I think the people that are making this argument that, well, uh, you know, if he if he wants, you know, if he really wants to win, if that's what he cares about, then, you know, he'll you know, he'll, he'll leave some money for, you know, to, to get other players. It's like, I think that would hold a lot more water if, you know, Chiarelli wasn't signing, you know, like, well, Chris Russell and other players, you know, I mean, he's, he, he's not really doing a good job of doing anything else other than drafting Connor McDavid, not trading Connor McDavid, and then re-signing Connor McDavid. Um, I mean, <laughs> I, well, I guess, you know, uh, acquiring Talbot, uh, cause that was a big reason that they did well last year too. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of wanted to see him get a max deal, um, but it's not something I'm tremendously passionate about, I guess. Yeah, I can't remember who tweeted this out, but the only thing I'll say about it is, you know, I'm so happy that Connor McDavid left money on the table so the Edmonton Oilers can overpay undeserving players. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I yeah. can't remember who tweeted it out. I wish I could credit them, but that was a perfect summation of exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, and I mean, like, look, so so the Penguins, two cups, uh, the Blackhawks, two cups in, what, the last, what, five, six years? You know, both of them have two people that are making a ton of money. You know, at the time, it was pretty darn close. You know, somebody had a breakdown um, because, obviously, the cap's gone up, so the, the contracts are different. But, you know, Crosby's deal was pretty close. 
you know, Malkin's making a ton. And in, in the Chicago side, I mean, you got two guys making a lot of money against the cap. And somehow they were able to do it. You know, I mean, I, you know, I don't know. Yeah, the argument I thought the Chicago is that they did it before those big deals. They, they have oh, that's true. They really yeah. struggled since those mega deals kicked in. Um, and the other argument is that Ovechkin got a higher percentage of that that cap than Crosby did, and they haven't been able to build a winner around uh, that selfish Russian guy. So mm-hmm. um, I think the the Penguins d- did a fine job of they pay their superstars big bucks, and they got really fantastic performance out of low-cost deals from a lot of other people. So, um, yeah, you, you can look both sides, but... Yeah. yeah, he should have. I mean, he should have forced the max. I mean, I was like, it's kind of like what Prashant was saying before about you know Hyman, uh, you know, and Austin Matthews. I mean, you know, pretty much anybody who's playing with Crosby is going to do really well. You know, so you know players like that, like those really, really top end guys. You know, they make they make their teams better. I mean, you know, McDavid basically drags the team around on his shoulders. Um, you know, uh, you know whoever Crosby's playing with. You know, when Malkin is when Malkin is kind of in scary Malkin mode, uh, you know, where he is just like determined that he is going to go, you know, over through people, uh, you know, like those, those crazy shifts where he just has the puck on his stick for like a minute and a half and like nobody can take it off of him. Um, you know, players like that, those really high end elite guys, I mean, they make the team around them better. Um, you know, so I think you could argue that, you know, you could, you could get by with, with, you know, not paying every, you know, other players as much, um, if you're smart about it, and that's that's the that's been the problem with Edmonton. They haven't been smart in a lot of ways. Yeah, the other thing to consider is like how much money to Edmonton do you think Connor McDavid is worth by himself? Right. He brings in more than fifteen million dollars by himself. Dollars. Yeah. So I just don't know why it's like it's his responsibility to make that extra room like why can't the players who he makes better say like oh i'll take less than i'm worth because i get to play with Connor mcdavid right it's like the nba lebron gets a gajillion billion dollars and then all like the vets that want to play with him or all like the decent players are like i'll take a million bucks to play you know the veteran minimum to play and win a title with you so it's it that's how it should be well plus in the nba they've already had their 25 million a year contract right uh, I always I always forget until I see on too, Twitter, yeah. you know, it's like, hey, this guy signed for a hundred and something million dollars for how many years? Three. <laughs> I'll also say you said that McDavid's contract is lockout proof. It's also technically buyout proof. Although, why would you do that? Right. Um, real quick, um, looks like Arizona wants to hire Rick Tockett as their head coach, which means Todd Nelson would be staying in Grand Rapids in theory. Uh, any quick thoughts on that being good for the Red Wings as a whole? Yeah, sure. He did a good job this year. I think that's yeah. very good for the Red Wings. I think it's good for uh, Todd Nelson, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to speak too too badly about a team that's been unfairly maligned for, for years and years and years uh, by everybody, myself included. But the way that Barraway has kind of meddled in that team, and I know there's a lot of conflicting results because Shane Doan should have been like, he should have been gone a while ago. Like he was useless last year. He's still useless. Them cutting ties with him is probably better for them. But then he meddled in, in getting Tippett gone too. And 
like it just feels like it's not a good place like i know if uh, todd nelson deserves an nhl chance somewhere but there's a real good chance that going and joining arizona with bearway acting the way he's doing is not going to be what's best for his nhl career um I think that's kind of why they're ending up with Rick Tockett. I think Rick Tockett is uh, a bridesmaid for a lot of a lot of different teams. I don't think that he's NHL coach material, really. Um, so good for them on, on getting a guy who's going to basically take what I think is going to end up being a career bullet. Um, I'm really glad it's not Todd Nelson for more reasons than just I really like Todd Nelson in Grand Rapids. I, I like Todd Nelson in general, and I don't want to see him kill his career going to the coyotes all right before we get to reader questions we're going to do positivity corner and we're going to start with you prashant oh man that's a that's a tough spot um you know let's see i think probably what i'm most positive about um will be the way that ken holland thus far is going to handle these restricted free agent contracts so far roulette came in at a good price some confidence that tar comes in at a good price and I'm confident that Athens is going to come in at a good deal. I think this is one area where he's had a couple of slip-ups, but for the large part of his career has been a decent guy with restricted free agent handling. So I know everyone wants to take a big dump on Ken Holland, and you can do that in most areas. But I think this is one where I'll I'll give him a pass and kind of have some confidence. So I'll, I'll throw him a little bit of positivity. Peter, you're next. Um, I think... Even though I wasn't happy before about technically about the contract, I do I, I do feel positive about the uh, the impact that Trevor Daly is going to have on the team. Um, like I said before, he definitely, from all accounts, seems like a tremendous person. You know, so he's going to I imagine he's going to have a really positive impact in in the locker room and around the team and with the younger guys. You know, in that regard, um, but. You know, for somebody who just was so frustrated last year uh, watching our team not be able to hold the blue line and and things like that, I think it's gonna be uh, it's 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 gonna be fun to watch watch somebody that's that's a lot better at that. Um, and I think hopefully that can you know stem some of the frustration from some of the potential other problems. And JJ, I'll go a little uh, a little sappy here and say that I'm really happy about. Uh, our community lately like I know that I spend a lot of time um, talking behind every single commenter's back about how much I hate everybody Um, but every day on on whim in the comments we've got a lively bunch of people that do a really good job of making their points of defending their points they're not attacking others Um, they keep it on topic and, and positive and there's like it's it's hard to find a lot of places where people aren't constantly patting themselves on the back for being able to disagree with each other uh, without tearing at each other's throats, too, um, which is also cloying and, and stupid. So I'm going to be cloying and stupid and say that they do that and they do a good job of it. And, and I appreciate our commenters. No, it's very positive of you. Uh, I'm happy for Brendan Smith. He got paid four years, <laughs> 4.35 AAV. Uh, he's going to excel next season in new york and probably win the norris trophy (laughs) (laughs) you got you got to put that in your bold predictions yeah i I did win them this year oh yeah i was gonna say i mean i tied but yeah you you still owe us a a write-up about that yeah i'll get to that 
Uh, I'm waiting until like we get to the part of the summer where there's nothing going on, so we can have some content up on the on the website. But uh, enough about Brendan Smith. I could talk about him all day. Uh, let's go to our resident mailman, JJ, for our reader questions. All right, thanks. So starting out our mailbag, we got Alabama Red Wing asking, are there any prospects currently playing overseas or in the college ranks, including ju- those just graduated like DeHaas, I believe, that stand out as being potentially above average difference makers for the wings down the road, capable of helping restore the glory? Uh, maybe no one crazy, but does Axel Holmstrom count? I don't know. He seemed like he had some promise. Yeah, he's he not officially joined anymore, Grand though. Rapids now, but I think that we could basically consider him as as part of the category. Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to look at the prospect list. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a couple guys who I think from this draft heading into college could be good. Like we mentioned Petrozelli, the goaltender. Um, he'll play a Quinnipiac this year. Um you know, he's he's got a lot of promise, and he's a guy who could be a difference maker. I don't think DeHaas is going to be a difference maker. In fact, he's not even under contract right now, so we'll see. And he's already finished up four years of college, so I don't I don't know about him being a real big difference maker. Um, that's really it. I mean, most of the guy like most of the guys we've already talked about. There's not really a surprise guy who's gonna come through and, and, and be that above average guy who cracks the roster. Yeah. Uh, Cause our, uh, in terms of the guys we've got playing overseas, like Joran Van Puzzleberg is over there. Um, but it doesn't seem like there's lo- like really any interest in, in him right now. Um, Christopher Ayn is playing decently well defensive hockey over uh, in Sweden. Um, but if he ever ends up even coming over, I mean, we're looking at another shot at a guy who I would say has the potential to be a not a, a slightly better Joachim Anderson. So, um, in terms of the question of being potentially above average, uh, the potential's there, but uh, the likelihood isn't. So, not really. Um, sorry. <laughs> All right, uh, Postafarian70 starts out with probably a dumb question. Always a good start. I know, I love that. <laughs> Does the Trevor Daly signing really hurt our ability to sign Tatar and AA, or are we just playing hardball and trying to be frugal? Uh, blah, 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 because if the Daly signing means we have to piss these two guys off, then why do I hate that signing? Tatar is great, AA is great. Um, Daly is a minor upgrade to Brendan Smith. Okay, sure. Yeah. Uh, Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I mean, it, it doesn't make it easier to sign those guys, but I don't think it. I mean, we talked about it. They're, they'll get them under contract one way or another with long term injured reserve magic, and someone gets hurt at training camp. So maybe that's what Wikowski's here for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it literally does not hurt our ability to sign Tatar and AA. Um, and we're not really playing hardball with them either. It's just the way RFA negotiations go. Like, I don't, I don't know. There seems to be a, a, a consideration where people like, don't think that this is how teams do this or something. You sign your UFAs and you leave about as much cap space as you expect for your RFAs because RFA deals, uh, tend to work in pretty narrow bands. So it's not like we have to worry about, um, 
like we can't we literally can't afford uh Tomas Tatar if he if like the worst case scenario is he twists our arms or arbitration comes in with something crazy and we got to move a guy but okay then we'll do that so it's it's not that big a deal yeah old man hockey asks about the Zetterberg charity challenge thing that Prashanthra ran earlier and any idea who won it and I know that we announced that on Twitter but do you remember who won it yeah, it was a Twitter user, Puck and Bourbon. He wanted, he asked for a Vladimir Konstantinov jersey. So that was delivered um, shortly after. I don't think he ever posted a picture with it, um, but I can see if he'll, he'll be willing to do that. I like, uh, I like Puck and, Puck and yeah. Bourbon. Yeah, me too. Two of my favorite things. <laughs> Harrison52. Uh, being right up against the cap and with Tatar most likely getting a raise, how do you see management making room for Larkin and Mantha's raise next offseason? Well, Mike Green's $6 million will be off the books, whether trade or just they let him walk in free agency if they kept him. That, so, Mike, that, Mike Green will be off. Um, Mrazic's current deal will be expiring if so he's there's, even there's the team. So there's $10 million. Yeah. Cronwell, maybe. Know, you know, neither of those guys are going to, you know, Unless they explode this year, you're going to get five million or something like that, right? I wouldn't think so. Yeah, Other than that Shane's deal comes off. Ryan Sproul's deal comes off. Yeah, his six hundred thousand. <laughs> you know, at that point, six twenty-five, sir. Let's not shortchange him. Cronwall might be, you know, have two non-working legs, and Darren Helm will probably get hurt, and you know. Yeah, you've got about twenty-two million to sign eight guys for next year, so I think that'll. I think they'll be fine. I think they'll have plenty of space to do that, especially if some of those roster spots just get filled by prospects, which I would hope happens. Oh, and WJR points out in the comments too that uh, the Stephen Weiss buyout drops by about nine hundred k next year too. Well, there you go. So there's a little bit of extra space. Sweet. Uh, ENSRW wants to know more about James DeHaas, saying that uh, Holland was quoted earlier that the Red Wings would not talk contract with him until August. Is this normal or an indication that the Red Wings do not value him that highly? Um, that has something to do with uh, an NCAA rule, essentially, where he's like, like they've got until then to, to basically worry about it, and he's got until then to essentially file to be a, a free agent. So it's basically, it, it's kind of a combination of they don't value him that highly and you don't have to worry about it that much. Yeah, the wing zone is rights until August 15th. So you don't have to do anything until then. Um, when you draft a college player or a guy who's 18 or 19 and then goes to the NCAA either immediately or the following year, you own his rights through the end of his senior year, so August 15th. So they've got time. Yeah. And then the second part of that question is regarding Dennis Chalowski, uh, if he does not make the Griffins roster and instead goes to Prince George of the WHL for two years, how disappointed will you be? We've got a multiple choice. A, it was expected. B, disappointed. C, very, very, very disappointed. Or D, couldn't bother to read this question because you were on the phone ordering a Jacob Chikrin jersey. It will never be D. Be just regularly disappointed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I, I see what you did there was very, very, very disappointed. Uh, I mean, I'm a. I think it's expected. Like uh, we knew when he was drafted, he was nowhere near 
sniff in the NHL. So I would rather he go through, see, see him in the WHL. Uh, it's kind of expected. You'd prefer that over him just staying in college? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, to me, it doesn't, it don't, doesn't matter either way to me. I just would yeah. rather see him see a higher quality of competition, whether that is the WHL or that's his St. Cloud team. I'm not sure. And I want him logging heavy, heavy minutes, which I don't think he'd do in Grand Rapids. So, yeah. yeah I'll say A, expected. Grandma Flarkin wants to know, based on how everything went down with protecting Howie over Peter, who do you honestly think is the starting goalie for this team? Opening night, Howard. He's healthy. Yeah, does anybody yeah. have a different opinion there? <laughs> and then from yeah. there, whoever plays better. I think the chance that Morazic isn't on the team by the opening by opening day is still, I think it's stronger than than him being the starter. Well, I, you know, if mm. Howard sucks and Peter's still on the team, you know, maybe you're two months in and he's your starting goalie. But, you know, and we'll Tom see. McCollum comes up and saves the day. Jared Coro. <laughs> then we lose that seventh round pick. I actually have no idea what the condition on that seventh rounder is. I'm assuming yeah. it's, it's Tom McCollum gets called up at some point, but I don't know. I still haven't seen that. Yeah, I remember I, I spent a while that day. I mean, not, not all day, but, you know, I just kind of kept looking to see if I could find it and uh, update the article, and nope, nothing. Yeah, for some reason, the National Diggers don't do a lot of uh, research into Tom McCollum deals. <laughs> it's it's, it's kind of crazy. Okay, Timmy Timmons yeah. wants to know, do you think Rasmussen has a legitimate chance at making the roster for next season? Nope. Or is that just a pipe dream feedly held on nope. to by diehard optimists in the Red Wings fan base? Nope. <laughs> no. No. He has an yeah. illegitimate chance. <laughs> yeah. You are not the father. Out of wedlock chance. This is a fun question. Svetching expectations. What's in the, which pick disappointed you more, Chalowski or Rasmussen? <laughs> Rasmussen. Uh, I think Rasmussen because of what was available. Yeah, and Chalowski at the time. I think we were all pretty excited to you move the Datsuk contract. You know, those of us uh, who thought there was a chance to sign Stamkos because you had the cap space now. You know, you didn't know what Chikrin was going to be. And it, Still don't know. Yeah, I'm well, he's been okay so far. Um, yeah, for me, it's Rasmussen because Velarde was on the board. I don't know. I would go with Chalowski just because where the wings picked at, um, like, yeah, you know, there's obviously all the scenarios where you move the Datsu contract, you don't move it, what does it free up and whatnot. But, I mean, you know, the drop-off from Velarde to Rasmussen – is smaller than the drop-off from Chikrin to Chalowski, in my opinion. I, I guess... Strictly comparing who's being drafted. In hindsight, yes, I guess. You know, I'm not yeah. going to argue with you, but as I felt in the moment of those picks, if that's what the question is, it's rash. Sure. Yeah, I guess, yeah, if it's the moment of the pick, then obviously you have the excitement of moving the Datsu contract and the unknown of Chalowski. Um, but I think Chalowski was further off the board... Than Rasmussen was. Oh, I, I'll agree with you there. Uh, so I think it's really the baggage that's associated with the Chalowski pick that maybe elevates that to being slightly better than the Rasmussen pick. Yeah, I agree with Prashant's logic. Um, as terms of like actual felt disappointment, uh, it's Rasmussen was dis- more disappointing to me because I actually had expectations that I didn't want them to pick him 
where when they picked Chalowski, I was like, who the hell is that guy? Right. They picked so much farther back. I didn't know, you know, it could have been yeah. one of 15 players they could have taken there. So, uh, do you think your answer will change if asked in five years? Um, well, cause since yes. I picked Rasmussen, yeah, because he'll probably end up being an okay player, and I don't have high expectations for Chalowski, so. Yeah, I don't. I don't think Chalowski sniffs. I, I don't. I have low confidence he makes the NHL, and and obviously hindsight, we can say that moving the Datsu contract wasn't worth it. Nope. Yeah, I agree. MD twelve wants to know: You've got AA and you've got Manta. You must trade one and give the other a contract with a fifteen million dollar cap hit <laughs> for the next eight years. Who do you trade and who do you pay? I pay Mantha. Yeah, pay Mantha. Yeah, me too. Yep. Yeah. That's really tough call because I really like AA and I like his electricity and I like the excitement. But I think in the long run, Mantha is going to be the better NHL player and the more yep. valuable one. Now, paying him fifteen million dollars per season, uh, I don't know about that, but <laughs> um, sure. You only gave me those choices. Uh, IT guy came up with uh, questions that starts with, in my opinion, uh, in my opinion, Holland can't keep himself from creating problems for himself. Allow myself to introduce myself. <laughs> like many others, I was <laughs> underwhelmed by the draft, but still think there's lots of fun in the remaining uh, for him remaining this summer. Do you see any of these things biter, biting him or further endearing him to the fans? Three goalies need to cut one out of camp and get nothing for them. Uh, I, do you think, does anybody think Corot gets taken off waivers? No, 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 there's no way he gets taken off waivers. How mad are we if Tatar actually goes to arbitration and goes, gets a one year deal? No, not that I no. I mean, I don't want it to happen, but he won't another player you can trade at the deadline. Yeah, I think I actually might feel a little bit better if because I think it would force them to trade him, and then at least right. I can go all season kind of expecting it to happen. Uh, the fact about the team being in cap hell, like, um, did, did, does the cap situation bother any of us? I mean, it's not a great situation, but I mean, they're they're not whatever. I'd rather them be in cap hell right now than go spend money on the free agent crop that was out there, like overspend it on someone. Yeah, and then the very last piece is slapping Athens you in the face with a cheap, cheap contract because Holland can't afford to pay him. And uh, I, he does deserve yeah. more than a couple million. It's a bridge contract, small deal, whatever. Yeah, that's what you get. So, cool. All right. Peter's Glove says, love, Wim. Thanks for all you guys do. You're welcome. Thank you for that. And yeah. you're welcome. And he's still able to use that uh, username for another couple weeks. Well, it could, it could always be referencing your glove. Yeah, but that's P E T R. Yeah, I have two two E's. It's, it's just a typo. It'll okay. be uh, Peter Svoboda after that. The player. Yeah. <laughs> Are any of you jealous of the savvy offseason that Jim Nill is having? Granted, the Stars were in win soon mode instead of rebuild, but it seems like the Wings have really missed his brain power since 2013. What are your thoughts on that, guys? Um, I don't know if jealous is the right word, but I mean, I'd say the Stars have had a better offseason than the Wings. The Stars are. In a completely different position, though. Um, They're in a more so, fun no. spot. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there you have guys like Sagan and Ben who are under decent deals, and they could afford to make some moves. They got a goalie. 
um, yeah, him really thought like, oh man, I'm jealous of the stars. So no. Yeah, I I don't follow it. They're spending ten million on goaltenders with a both or thirty years or older. They handed a six point two five million AAV for five years to a thirty one year old forward, and then they handed a four point seven five million AAV for three years to a thirty year old forward that never scored more than forty points. Um, I think the names are big. I don't know that they really move Dallas's needle in the West. I think it's going to be really interesting to see Radulov playing for Hitchcock. Yeah, because he did so. He, he loved playing for Trot so much. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I think that Jim Nill has won the offseason Stanley Cup like three summers in a row now, right? <laughs> and then whatever reason is blown up in his face. Like he's definitely more aggressive than Ken Holland. And I think that it would be better to have both Ken Holland and Jim Nill in the Red Wings organization making decisions. Um, but I'm not sure right now I can say that, that Jim Nill is, is doing so remarkably better right now on his own. Well, credit. Basically. And, like how many of the prospects that you named earlier that you are ready to give up on were part of Jim Nill's brain trust that drafted them. You know what I mean? Like we're scroll and Olette and all these guys that you're like, eh, whatever. Don't need that. I don't even know. But if I get to blame Jim Nill for Ryan Sproul disappointing me, I'm going to do that. (laughs) He drafted those guys probably. Yeah. (laughs) All right. But the foil on's got a, got a good question. Uh, starts with a Schadenfreude corner, which is a great word. Yeah. Why did the Lightning give Girardi three million AAV? Because of their internal analytics. Because the chicken crossed the road. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> because you gotta pay Dan Girardi three million AAV when you get that chance. Oh my god. Any other moves you are glad the Wings didn't make? Um. Like, are, are we assuming that they would have had the cap space to make some of these crazy moves? Or, I mean, I mean, it's just basically like oh, which... don't overcomplicate things. Okay, never mind. <laughs> I'm I'm just glad they didn't give Dan Girardi three million dollars. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm, I'm, I'm good enough for that. Chris Russell contract. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't give Brendan Smith his contract. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Not because I don't think Brendan Smith is worth it, just because I didn't want to deal with uh, oh, the fan backlash about it. I'm glad we didn't sign that Marlowe contract. Yeah. Yeah. Alsner. I think that Alsner deal is pretty bad. I'm glad that they didn't sign Shane Doan, but I feel, <laughs> like, I should, I feel like I should knock on wood because he's still yeah. technically unsigned. Like, it's not too late for that to happen. So. Um, yeah. The Shattenkirk deal wasn't terrible. I've been okay with that. I'm surprised that they got him that low. That's eh, where he wanted to be. Yeah, that's still that's still a lot of money. To... I'm glad that I didn't trade Philip Forsberg for Martin Eret. Yeah, that was several years ago, but I don't care. <laughs> All right, questions from Sugar Mouse: Is Ken Holland the Red Wings GM one year from now? Uh, when would his deal technically expire? One year from guess. now. Yeah. I'm gonna guess July 1st of, of 2018. I don't know if if it works the same as player contracts, then that's that's it. Yeah, I'm gonna say he is. I'm gonna say no. Taking no. 
All right. Two no's. Uh, I'll add another no to it's it. It's a reluctant to... yes, though. <laughs> don't don't try to head shit yeah. now, Jack. <laughs> if he's replaced, who's the likely replacement? Chris Draper. Yep, Draper. Yeah. I don't think Draper jumps over Ryan Martin. I think Ryan I Martin do. gets... I don't think that they're going to go outside of the organization. I, th- I think we're all agreed there. Yeah. Well, it's Holland would move up, and Draper's the GM, and Holland's the puppet master. Like, does Draper have the kind of like fan nostalgia pull that I don't know? Is it, Draper it, at this? It, it, Ryan Martin's not though. So yeah, it's true too. There was like an article midway through the season that kind of talked about Draper being groomed as the next guy. So I can't remember who wrote it though. Kyle Dubas. He'll be the next guy. Yeah, that'd be wonderful. Mm. We should make Chris Draper the GM just to see if the Avalanche will make Claude Lemieux their GM. Yeah. There we go. Uh, how long will it take the new GM to have the wings deep in the playoffs? If you define deep as past the second round, mm-hmm. then at least yeah. five years. That's fair. I was going to say six. Yeah. Uh, two lockouts. Two <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Plant Down Babylon has four more questions for it. Oh, boy. I love it. Do you think the Leafs are doing a good job of rebuilding, and how much of that could be attributed to Babcock? Um, they're doing a good job because they got Austin Matthews. Mitch Marner is pretty good. And uh, Yeah, he's he's not. I don't think he's as good as the other two, but he's good. Um, I don't think it's all Babcock, but it helps to have a good coach. Yeah, Babcock's good, but Leafs are doing good things. I mm. I don't think you can attribute a lot of it to him. They made a lot of the moves kind of in conjunction with them coming in. Yeah, they prepared to get Babcock, and then they got him. And I think that that's more to the credit of the front office than it is to having the the kind of right coach. Uh, is Blashill's big, biggest coaching mistake his line blending or something else? Hmm. It's something else. <laughs> it's, it's deployment. Yeah, yeah it's deployment. I mean, I was going to say, like, putting Cronwall on the power play, but I guess deployment covers that. Yeah, yeah. not that's, playing that's for all the power play. The, yeah, for all the goof-ups. Yeah. Uh, forcing that, um, not uh, not seeing that the Kaiser really couldn't cut the the 1D and, and maybe making adjustments to that. Um, forcing Riley Sheehan into the lineup when it was pretty clear that he probably needed a little bit of time off um, just to get around the, the weird, unlucky shooting percentage thing and then see if he could get a reset there. Um, and we've talked at length about the treatment of, of Mantha and Athanasiu and how I don't think that that's necessarily the worst thing, but I don't think it's a great thing either. So, yeah. Uh, if you had the power to decide who on the Griffins to bring up to the big club all season, who would it be? Fetch the call. Mm. Take it. <laughs> I like that That's a bold answer. Yeah, Peter, who you got? I mean, the other the other obvious one would be Bertuzzi. Um, but I don't know. I, I think I I I'd be more interested in seeing a defenseman. So I'll go I'll go with with Pickett. I'm gonna go with the troll answer and say Todd Nelson. <laughs> um. Show what the Wings roster would look like if you were in charge of who plays. 
Oh, that's, um, a, that's like the longest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all, all the Brendan. good players and none of the bad players. Yeah. Brendan Smith, Brendan Smith, Brendan Smith. <laughs> guy, Brendan guy, Smith, guy. Brendan Smith. Brendan 18 Smith. 18 centers on a goalie. <laughs> Yuri Hudler, Brendan Smith. <laughs> Brendan Smith. Riley Brendan. Smith. <laughs> Rory Smith, Mr. Smith. Yeah, basically, I, I want them to do Giovanni Smith. Young skill um, and less old grinder. So whatever it takes, like both Mike Smith forwards and shut the hell up <laughs> forwards and defensemen. Just more, more young skill, more uh, roll with the kids, sink or swim, and less um, return of Steve Ott. Ben Smith, Craig Smith. Oh my God! How are we going to do this last one? Pick a number. This is the very last question. Baby Lark says, if you could build a team based off of one jersey number, receiving all players who wear that number, which number do you pick? The example given is 15th. 15, so you get Ryan Getzloff, Jack Jack Eichel, Artenia Nismov, and Riley Sheehan. Is this active players? First answer for all current players in the league. Oh, my God. Uh, 91, Dibs. Oh, that's a good one. I get Tavares, Sagan, Tarasenko. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I don't think I can beat that one. I'll take 97. (laughs) 97 is really going for it. But I think (laughs) 91 is the best answer. Yeah. And then really go for it, include all players throughout the entire history of the NHL. 19. Yeah, 19. Yeah. 19 basically beats out 91. Yeah. If you want 66, you get Lemieux and Josh Hosang. And Trevor Daly. <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> no, no, nine could probably be the only other. Uh, what is yeah. that? Johnny Puchek, Dick Duff, Gordy Howe. He had a good group there. Glenn, Glenn yeah. Anderson. Dimitri Olov. <laughs> Teddy Purcell. Ted Kennedy. Rocket Richard. Oh, Pavel Burry wore number nine for the Rangers. Forgot that. There you go. Yeah. Ah, uh, that's tough though. Yeah, I'll stick with nineteen. Yeah, nineteen. All right, so that uh, that does it for questions. So I'll throw it back to you to get us the hell out of here, Jeff. All right. Um, we talked a lot about hockey, so I'm not going to ask you any hockey-related thoughts. Any? Would you have any final non-hockey thoughts? Oh, I only had a final hockey-related thought. Too bad. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, for JJ and Prashant and Peter and Graham, I'm Jeff, and this has been Winging It Motown Radio. See you next time, everybody. Wing.